Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Imagine me. I am one of those big-eyed teenage girls. I spill out truth with narcissistic tears. I open out my palms indeed. I'm willowy and stoic. Imagine me. I think I'm different. I think I ought to save, save, save. Some days I am not heaving, puffing red with my insanities. My grandmother says that some things do mean everything. Across the room I see her eyes, her hands just like my own. It's just a habit, this cynicism of mine, this brushing, laughing off of too much feeling. What a way to fight ego. Once I climbed up metaphors because I could, now I've fallen down to earth. I am not like that anymore. I am nothing different. I am nothing. My grandmother looks at me, says, I know you understand. Things are always far too real to people like you. At the beach... I search for bits of coloured glass washed smooth by the sand. All day I hold white pebbles in my hand so I won't forget to let myself feel. But it's not that easy, no, it's not that easy to forget those parts of me that weren't my fault. And it will not go away, she says. All your life will be this way. And I stop. And I think of all the voices that I never was able to end. Good morning and welcome to Spoken Word. My name is Ella Fanelska and you just heard my guest read a poem called Voices. My guest today is Megan Bailey. She was a poet on the scene when I first discovered our vibrant poetry community in Melbourne many years ago, um, the days of Overload Poetry Festival. We did some work together then. And since being privileged enough to be a presenter, a presenter on this show, um, I've been asking Megan to come, come back to poetry. And she has returned and is finally a guest in my studio, which I'm so thrilled about. So thank Thanks, you Ella. so much, Megan, for coming in today. Um, tell us about what did bring you back other than me pulling you back. <laughs> Look, I, I, I've been through fits and starts for many, many years with poetry. I began doing poetry readings probably in around 1998 with the Uni Poetry Group and um, got involved with the scene quite heavily for a while and, um, and at some point I decided to get married and have babies and start a career and, and try and live a normal kind of life. Um, <laughs> so that didn't work out very well. <laughs> and um, I guess every so often I come back to it and I remember myself and I remember my poems and and I want to get involved again. So that's why I'm here again. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm sort of there's a poet that happens, doesn't it? We try and do the straight and narrow and then the poetry keeps coming back. It does. It reaches out. Megan, could you share your poem, Corkscrew Lonely, with us now? Of course I can. Um, this is a poem about um, when someone thinks you've got it really all together and you don't really have it all together. And um, you've got this secret world in the middle of the night where you're quite mad. 
You can turn them off, you know, those silent winding corkscrew nights. This I tell her, gently sipping my tea. You don't have to get angry, you don't have to get sad, no need to scratch out sprawling curly lists of where you fit and what you aren't to him. And oh so frank I look at her as if she cannot disagree. My wise eyebrows perched. But then, if she could see me, rolling up cigarettes late at night like a spy, just to busy my fingers. Rolling up cigarettes late at night like a spy. I love that. That line really stuck with me with this poem. Yep. Unfortunately, I never stopped rolling up cigarettes late at night like a spy. <laughs> I'll get there someday. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, like themes that keep returning to you in your poetry? I think I wind up writing a lot about memory. Um, I, I try, try to look at my poems as a full stop on a particular experience. So... Um, it's part of the meaning-making process for me. Um, I come from that tradition that gets often looked down upon called confessional, um, where I write about myself, I write about my world, and and it's not always um, couched in metaphor. It's sometimes just directly about me. So um, I've got one I'd like to share with you now, if that's okay. Yeah, please. It's called Childhood Friend. It's about one of those really complex relationships that you have with people sometimes. Name me then. No matter. Your eyes have gone from my reflection. This letting go defines me now. And it's only roots, beginnings, beneaths. So indeed, I might have been the one who kicked up rotting leaves around you, who dug away wet clumps of earth and turned them over in my hands like clay as if to form and reform. But you and me, we're only roots and broken glass, compost, 15 years. I imagine then your critical eye, those words of yours, grow up around my ankles like a myth. Seven years bad luck for breaking you, for breaking away. No end to your mirrors now, even in absence. Megan, you spoke about uh, the confessional tradition. And I loved how you said about poems becoming like a full stop on mm. an experience for you. So like how poetry can really be a catharsis. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I think the best poetry is the poetry that really taps into an authentic experience that people have, a, an authentic lived experience that people have. And that's the poetry I really enjoy hearing oh, as yeah. well. Absolutely. So, too. Mm. so um, yeah. I was going to ask you that very thing about, um, like, do you think that poetry should only come from a lived experience? Um, I think, I think the best poetry comes from a lived experience. I think um, there's a reason why people write fiction. There's a reason why people write nonfiction, and there's a reason why people write poetry. And poetry to me is something that comes from, yeah, that lived experience. It's something that comes from a place deep within you that needs expressing. So. So I would always suggest that people write about themselves when they're writing poetry. Um, please share your poem with us now, Like an Instinct, and tell us a little about it. Okay, Like an Instinct was um, one I would often finish off with back in the day when I was doing poetry readings. And it was because it was, it's a poem about looking back on something and, and seeing what it means to you today. Um, yeah, I'll just read it. 
There's a moment in the early evening when the traffic knows it's time to turn its headlights on. Like an instinct. All those people saying now. It feels like this. One year today. And I've been wading through bodies for so much time just trying to fill the whole of you. Those men, when they left, I thought it was just loneliness that made me remember. Once you touched my eyes while I pretended sleep as if to make sure I was real. The last one, the one I thought I'd fallen for, made people laugh he looked so much like you. Same face, same blue safari suit, same saunter that you have when you are happy. In the end, I didn't see too much of that in you. Both of us so jaded, we faded in our separate miseries. And I always knew the way we'd end. I could see the closure on its way like celluloid. For years I knew we'd have to leave to know if it was real. So young we were. Then here I am, one year today. You're up the coast somewhere, some place where people go to get away. You've sent photos via email to us all. Friends say he looks so old. But I think you just seem more like you. And I'm glad. I can see it's what I wanted all those times I spat and swore for more of you. One year today. And it's strange how things look different at this distance, even though I feel I'm back where I began. The cars turn on their headlights one by one. I feel the evening on my face. Alone? Perhaps. But I'm never quite afraid. This moment catches like an instinct as the darkness waits in front of me. There's a lot I like about this poem, Like an Instinct. I just want to pull those little bits um, particularly apart. So just the first stanza, like uh, there's a moment in the early evening when the traffic knows it's time to turn on its headlights. Um, mm. And like an instinct, it's like all those people saying now. I really like that, Megs. Thank um, you. And then the, at the end, how you sort of have a nice sort of bookend of that, like the repetition of turn on their headlights and like an instinct. Thanks, Ella. So well crafted, so good. Yeah, that's one of the ones that tumbled straight out of me one time. Um, it's very old, that poem. It's, 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 I wrote it when I was about 22, so... A long time ago. <laughs> does it take you back there? It does. It really does take me back there, especially since it's about that particular moment. Um, yeah, the, the moment of, I guess, the first moment of independence where where you're you're really living your own life. And um, at that time I'd just moved into this, this hideous little flat in Collingwood and so I was walking around the streets of Smith Street and and feeling really strong in myself for the first time. Um, after my the breakup of my high school relationship. So that's what that poem's about. I think this could be the perfect moment for you to share your poem Mattress with us, um, which okay. I quite liked all the, um, the Melbourne references in it, so please. Sure. On the side of Punt Road this week, I saw someone had propped a double mattress against a tall fence of an old retreating Richmond Terrace. Splash garish and wounded in red paint, the underside read, But you said you loved me. We drive past, as always, locked into our private worlds. The billboards at Bridge Road flashing lingerie at us, the turning lanes that bank up in a stagnant plume of steam, grey and unmoving as a block sink. 
our palms on our windscreens, we work to clear away the reckless smear of our own crimson words. Oh, 
You're listening to 3CR's Spoken Word. My name is Ella Fenelska, um, and we just heard the phenomenal Sia with Breathe Me. My guest in the studio today is Megan Bailey, and she will now share her poem with us called IVF Day. Instead of lust, there is the cool brightness of surgery. Trained fingers peeling latex, the unrolling of the sheaths over oiled, eyed wands. You undress, shaven and demure for the white machines. Look there, he whispers, and you do, distracted. As he spreads you sudden, black and hardcore on the grainy screen, ready to be watched. Afterwards, you wake with a bloodied pad between your legs, thinking of Roswell. The theatre's greedy silver, where you stared at the last into the grim science of standing lamps. Funny then, this lumpy warm forgetfulness. The promises of hot tea. The chubby hands of the nurse, as she stroked your head softly into darkness. Megan, um, what's the experience been like for you with being very productive poetically and having a big break and now rediscovering your voice? Um, what's the experience been like? I, th- I, th- I think it's something that's always happened in fits and starts for me. Um, at the moment I had a period of unwellness last year and and writing again and getting involved again in some poetry readings has been a process of rediscovering myself and finding an identity outside of that illness again. So um, it's always kind of worked out like that for me. You know, I've had some kind of period of hibernation followed by needing to grasp something for myself again, almost like forgetting myself Mm -hmm. and then needing to remember myself again. So um, that's that's how the process is going for me. Mm, Wow. So for you, um, poetry really has that power of being linked to a sense of self, would you say? Absolutely. For me, it's, it's very much about identity and it's very much about, like I said in the first poem, the voices that are inside me um, and, and sharing, sharing my experiences of the world. And so when you look um, over those older poems now, what does that bring up for you? They make me quite nostalgic, really especially that like an instinct one. Um, yeah, I think of this little girl voice inside me and it, it brings me back to those places again. That IVF day reminds me of the bizarre experience of going through IVF, takes me back to that moment again. Could you share with us a little bit about your writing process? Well, my writing process. Um, these days I'm I'm... I'm pretty fluid with my writing process. I just let it come and figure I can edit it out later. Um, I, I, was, I used to be very critical with my writing. I remember Steve Smart making a joke once that, I, that I, we would sit down writing together and I would come up with three perfect lines and he would come up with three poems. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was ruthless on myself and that, that poem Childhood Friend was one that I wrote like that very, very slowly and very methodically and, and they wound up... Not always being better for that as well. Um, so, so I tend to now allow things to come out a lot more easily and um, 
and let let drafts be drafts, you know. So mm. if I could share this one, motherhood, with you, I wrote that quite this one quite quickly. Please. Um, and it's it's about it's about the experience of having a baby and the changes that occur in your body and the way that you see yourself as a result of having a baby. In her mouth, my nipples elongate like a sow's. She snuffles on me, paws at me, twisting up rough fists of my spotty breast flesh. What is badge-like in these stripes? From inside, she's pushed my ribs out, turned the bones of my hips to outward ankle. My belly sags downward now, a loose smile of flopping skin. Indeed, I have her. I do. But in the hour before sleep, when you turn to me to be woman... My waist yields like sloppy foam. My milking sweats as a dark heat on the sheets. My body has become a place of warm comfort, not of excitement. The inside of me has changed its shape. My age for tightness has gone. You're really holding up a mirror of honesty in this poem. Um, I think that many women will be able to relate to the experience that's um, expressed in this poem that's really not spoken about at all yeah look I, I think it's my duty um, and the duty of all poets to say what it doesn't want to be said you know and to to be truly honest and truly authentic in their words and their experience of the world and I think also that one of the things that is wonderful about poetry is that it makes something that's ugly into something that's beautiful oh that's so true and so well put Megan, like, but I think the thing is that you need to then take the bravery in order to do that because when you're going through such an ugly moment in your life, it's so easy to just um, be overcome by it. Yeah, and sometimes it takes a while afterwards to, to see that beauty, you know. It, it takes a while to, to get that sense of narrative purpose um, around a particular event or a particular time in your life. You can't just necessarily in the middle of it come along and write something um, really immediate. Um, so for me, writing poetry is a way of um, completing an event, completing something in my head. Yeah, that's so true as well, isn't it? Because when you're in the immediacy of it, it's often too raw. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so I guess it's making that note to yourself, I might return to this at another time when I'm ready to emotionally be absolutely. able to put that full stop And how on many it. notes do we all have on our iPhones, oh, yes. you know, ready for later? Yeah. So... Yeah, and then just being able to come back to those and go, yeah, this is a valid thing that I yeah. want to really. And and it's funny how things complete. change also, as as time goes on. This this poem here, I th- I thought was a poem of hope, for a long time after I wrote it, but then I realised it was actually a poem about the disintegration of my marriage. So, um, I might read it now if that's okay. Yeah, please. All right, it's called Afterbirth. Simple, I thought. We make vows under bright palm trees, you flash gold on my finger. This is final. I choose you. Never again the need for fierce and tearful kisses. Never the need for desperate alleys or raking nails. Never again the silver fear shooting up my spine, my silent chanting, don't ever leave me, don't ever go. With your sunshine promise, I am released. Two. I'm full of excuses as I tumble into warm numbness. The distance is thick as a cliché. I am sighing, I am whispering like my mother. There is canned sitcom laughter. 
I mentioned amused how I swore I'd never be like those TV couples with their worn and snappy cruelty. I think of my foolishness, a thin smile. It's funny because it's true. There's comfort in this normalcy. In bed, I merely tolerate the lump of you. Three. Time off work, I'm without excuses, empty of my medicating busyness. I lie knitting on the spare room bed, unravelling, untangling. What messy love. I feel us knotted by each other, all limbs and heads and swollen, lumpy heart. A muck of blood, stomping, churning, grabbing for love and freedom and compassion tears. They're sad falling as we brave the ugliness of you and me. Are we holding on? Are we staying put? It's the viscera, the afterbirth of marriage. In now turning to the future, when you look ahead, what do you hope for poetically? Um, I, I, I just want to stay inspired. I want to be able to, to um, put aside all of my responsibilities and give myself time to write and give myself time to perform too. It's been so long since I've been out there performing and and there's a, there's a, a whole new crew of people out there doing amazing work that I'd love to go and see. Um, I'd also like to put a collection together at some point. I've got, you know, 20 years' worth of work sitting there <laughs> just, just waiting for, um, you know, there's things that have been published here and there but... But I haven't ever tried to put a collection together before, so I'd really love to do that succinctly. And what is it feeling like performing again? It's it's become nerve-wracking again, you know. <laughs> it's it's like going back to the beginning all over again. I remember the very first reading I ever did, I actually had a panic attack on stage and people thought I was drunk because I had to run off and nearly vomit on the side of the stage. Um is that it's, is this experience like terrifying or um, exciting? It's it's. I'm looking forward to feeling more comfortable with it. Yeah. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to getting up and feeling like I'm expressing rather than I'm just reading out the words and hoping to get them out. So it becoming a point of enjoying it rather than simply enduring it. That's right. That's right. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to that moment where I get up and and really feel connected to my words and connected to the audience again. Uh, rather than just trying to get it out. Thank you so much for being so generous with us today in the studio, Megan. You're welcome. It's been so great having you in here and hearing your words. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, just sharing it with everyone. And um, be part of this evolving story for me. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No, it's been so great to be able to share you with everybody. Um, So you've been listening to 3CR Spoken Word. My guest today was Megan Bailey. You can catch us every Thursday morning from 9 till 9.30 on on 3CR 855 AM or live stream from the website. And, of course, you can podcast us later if you can't tune in live. Thanks for listening and look forward to your company next month.